In your book, in your Bible this morning, in the book of Romans, chapter 14, <clears throat> such a powerful verse, and it's a verse that we ministered on last, last week, in fact, talked about the peace of God. There are certain things that they're not optional. There are certain things that they have to be in our life. And it's up to a believer, although they're birthed in us spiritually, the Bible says they have to be worked out of us. So God puts a lot of things in us in the life of a believer that has to be worked out in time and in process as God's working in our life. And this morning, I want to talk about another one of those because we're talking about the power of the cross. What does the cross make available to us? Last week, we talked about peace. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but it's living a life of goodness or righteousness, and then it's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the kingdom of God. Now, peace is not optional. Whatever you're going through, there has to be a way for God to help you to locate and to move into an arena of peace. You've got to have peace in your storm. Because that peace in that storm allows God to be God in your situation. But not only is it important for us to have peace... A lack tool also has to be in our life, and that's joy. Joy also is not optional. And joy, in fact, releases God to do the miraculous in all of our lives. If I withhold joy, really the Bible says that I am sinning against the Lord. I'm really sinning against what I am put on earth to do. I am put here to express Jesus. You and I, each one of us, that's our job in this world, is to express the love of God. And expressing the love of the Lord, we have to be willing to express His joy. Now, some of us are not as joyful as others. Some of us are what we call saddened people, almost. We get discouraged easily. We we let problems overcome us. And truly, at that moment, that may be what we're prone toward in our character, but that's not what we've been built to as a believer of Jesus. Because the ability to release joy with what you're walking through reveals your confidence that you have in God. That there is a hand that you cannot see, even though what's working against you, you may can see. So we're going to talk about how to restore our joy. Now, I knew I was going to be preaching on this uh, several weeks ago. And so I started trying to prepare my life for joy. Because I didn't want to stand up in front of you and be a hypocrite. I didn't want to stand up in front of you and, and talk about something that I really didn't have working in my life. So I've been working more heavily on joy in the last few weeks than normally in my life, okay? Everybody say, all show. Oh, don't, don't say that. No, that's not. But... Uh, <laughs> But so, and then I got up Saturday morning, and so I was especially, because I knew this was going to be our, our weekend, we're going to begin to release Revelation over joy, and so uh, I got up Saturday morning on my way to prayer meeting, and so I was full of joy. So I went out to, my daughter was staying with us, so I went out to her car, 
Man, and I just walked all around her garden, just laying hands and praying. Man, I had my little prance going on, and I was loving God, and I was praising the Lord. And, and then I went over and slipped in my car, and then I started out on the highway. Well, I got about probably a mile up the road, and all of a sudden, I could not see anything anymore. What had happened is I'd been working on my car the day before, and I had, you know what happened, I had failed to latch the hood. And so in the process of it, when I was, when I was, when I hit the highway and, and hit the higher speed, all of a sudden the wind took that hood and busted my windshield and just totally. Well, let me tell you, that car was full of joy five seconds before. <laughs> but all of a sudden, when that thing hit my windshield, <laughs> my joy just went, <laughs> So today I'm not talking about having joy. I'm talking about how to get it back. All right? <laughs> and that's what I want to talk to you about is how to get joy back. Now, it's real important to have joy. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 18, it begins to give us the little secrets. I love the secrets. Don't you love the secrets that's in the Word? God has all these mysterious secrets that's hidden, hidden all through the Word. And then you found them. They're like nuggets of gold. And in Genesis chapter 26, it says, Isaac dug again the wells which were dug in the days of his father, Abraham, but had been clogged up by the Philistines. Now, that Philistines is that work of the flesh that's against us. And simply what the Lord had called Isaac to do was open up some channels that had been previously opened, but they had been stopped up. I want you to know there's not a one of us here that God has, did not give us a good dose of his joy. Because the joy of the Lord is the strength of God. And God gave us all that joy. But in the process of time, things clogged it up. And one version of the Bible said the Philistines put dirt in it. Well, I've had some dirt going on in my life. Have you had some going on in your life too? And whatever was going on that the enemy was trying to put began to stop up that well. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves facing a situation. And all of a sudden discouragement, lack of faith, heartache, heartbreak, issues, problems, difficulties begin to override. And before you know it, we begin to do life like the world. I mean, just like people. And you may think you're a people, <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, you're a special person. You have been touched by the Almighty God, and He has chosen to find residence inside your life. And so no longer can we be as mere people. In fact, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3 is where I want to talk from today. In fact, Isaiah chapter 61 is where Jesus preached his first message from. The first message that Jesus preached that we know of that's recorded, Jesus preached from Isaiah chapter 61. Because he knew that this subject evidently is so important. And this would be the area that the enemy would try to attack in all of our lives. And the devil would try to do everything he could to clog up our well. 
Because out of that well, the Bible says, flow the issues of life. That word issues means forces. The things that God has that he wants to do through us and for us become clogged up when my joy gets stopped. So we're going to talk to God about restoring our joy. Isaiah chapter 61 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the all of joy for mourning. What did God say he would do us for our mourning, for our discouragement? He had some all of joy. And the garment of praise God would give us for a spirit of heaviness. Do you have a heavy spirit this morning? Are you weighted down? Are you weighted down with the things that you're, your responsibilities? Are you weighted down with the things that haven't hap- has not happened in your life? Are you weighted down with the, with the discouragements, things that you expected to happen and they didn't happen? Or things that happened that didn't happen the way that you intended them to happen? People misunderstood you. I'm asking you this morning, are you weighted down? Well, the Bible says the answer to that is a garment of praise. That we would be different. Everybody say that we would be different. That's why he said that we would be different. That we would be able to show the world that Jesus is different. That we handle storms differently. That we handle battles differently. That we handle life differently. That we don't handle it like the world. And that's what he says. That we might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. For when somebody sees you walking through a dilemma, they're supposed to be able to look at our life and say, My, you have been planted by the Lord. You're handling this in such a supernatural way. How do you do it? And then he says, the last part of that verse says, that the Lord might be glorified. First way I want to mention is how to have joy. Having joy is living up. Everybody say living up. You know, so many times that we hear, we just begin to live down. <laughs> or we really, we begin to live around. What I'm talking about, we live as our neighbors. We live as the world has. We live as our TV has taught us. We live as our whatever it is has taught us to respond to situations. But God's call is in us to live up. To live as if we believe that heaven is real. As if we believe that Jesus sits on the throne of God. As if if we believe that he is truly the master of the universe. As if we believe that he has given us promises to ever, ever change our future. God's just calling us to live differently. And out of that living differently, living up, releases that joy in our life. Because whatever I'm facing today or whatever you're facing today, there should be a confidence. God's working behind the scenes and God's going to work this thing out for his glory. Amen. So a believer deals with life differently. We live up. Everybody say we live up. When somebody says, look out, you see how bad it is? Say, I can't look out. I'm too busy looking up. See, because Jesus is still on the throne, and that's what the cross is purposed. We're to live life in the, with the backdrop of Calvary's victory. 
everything that we face, we should know Jesus dealt with this on the cross. He has already defeated the devil. Therefore, I can rejoice in the midst of my dilemma because I know ultimately Calvary has won this victory for me. Amen. So we live life with the backdrop of what Calvary has done. We even face our own failures like that. Other people may point out your failure. And some people, they have no joy because they're so disappointed in themselves. But I want you to know, you don't have to be disappointed any longer. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus chose to forgive you. And all you have to do is simply stop and ask. And in moments of time, your whole past is wiped away. If care of whether your past is six years ago or whether your past is five seconds ago. It doesn't matter. That in a moment of time, that can be wiped away for the glory. Give somebody give the Lord a hand for wiping away our past. Man, isn't Jesus something? Now, the book of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Psalms, pardon me, I'm going to go Psalms chapter 27, verse 13 said, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you see what that says? I would, have, I would have been like the world. I would have been discouraged like everybody else. I would have been down in the dumps like everybody else. But I believe something differently. I believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want you to know, if you're here today, you've got a God that loves you, that cares about you, that's already defeated the devil on your behalf, that will stand up in defending you. There is no place for discouragement in a body of believers. Amen. Amen. That's with the backdrop. Now, the way that we're able to face is Psalm chapter uh, 112, so beautifully, it says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Because, why? Because our heart is fixed. You know what most of us need? We just need to get our heart fixed. See, some people live in such fear. The fear of the telephone going to ring. The fear of what somebody's going to drive up and tell you. The fear of what you're going to hear. The fear of what somebody's going to say to you. The fear of what a boss is going to do. And you live a whole life in fear. And Bible says that we're to never, as a believer, we're to never, ever live in that kind of fear because our heart's been fixed. My heart wasn't fixed. My heart was torn up, but my heart finally got fixed. And I got fixed to to believe and trust in the Lord that God can handle this, that God can work this thing out. Amen? Amen. Everybody say, got my heart fixed. Believers live with, we're talking about living up now, what we're talking about, living up. We're going to live with an expectancy for God to work it out. If you don't have that expectancy inside you, you're going to find a real wrestle to try to have joy. You've got to live with the expectancy. Somebody says, how is it? It doesn't matter how it is. It's how God's going to make it is what matters. God's going to work this out. God's going to do it. God's going to... That has to be the common, uh, the, uh, the, the common wordage of a believer. That we believe that God's going to work this out. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, talking about Jesus. He said, looking unto Jesus. He said, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice what that says. Jesus endured. He endured the pain. He endured the heartbreak. 
He endured the difficulty. He endured the cross, but the way he was able to do it because he did not lose his joy. Do you see that? He did not lose his joy. But let me ask you, was it the heartbreak that he was looking for? Or was it what would come after the cross? It was after the heartbreak. It was after the problem. That's what gives us joy. Sure, the heartbreak may be going on, but look what's coming after this is over for the glory of God. Amen. God's got something wonderful. What's on the other side of your joy? What's on the other side of your joy? Joy is going to precede whatever God's doing in your life. If God's going to be able to do the miraculous in your life, Joy is going to proceed. So let me ask you, what is on the other side of your joy? Do you live with such an expectancy and such a faith in God that your future is exciting enough to whether you can put up with the rotten here and now and you can laugh your way through it for the glory of God because you know you're going to go over this thing for the joy that's set before you? The Bible says that was Jesus' secret in enduring the cross. He said because he, it was for the joy that was going to come. It was for what would happen. Do you know what was going to happen after the cross? You and I were going to love him. You and I were going to carry him. Jesus endured that cross because he could look down through time and he could see us. That one day we would love him. One day we would care about him. One morning we would be standing in church raising our hands and praising God. One morning we'd be crying and weeping and loving on him. Amen. And because of that, it gave him the power to have joy even in the midst of his great trial. Everybody say, never give up. That's what has to be. It has to be a never give up. What in it in your life that you're trying to give up on? There will not be a release of joy. You if, the joy is released in us through our confidence, through our faith, and through our trusting in Him. So we never give up on situations, and we never give up on people to change. Some of you do not have joy because you have given up on special people in your life. Honey, it's time not to give up. God can do the impossible. In fact, the Bible says the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Why would we give up when God told us we have such a powerful, wonderful future that awaits us for the glory of God? Amen. Never give up. Learn to live happy. Let me ask you this. What was on the other side of Joseph's prison? What was on the other side? What was on the other side of Joseph's prison? Somebody say honor, glory, prestige, his family restored to him, God working miracles. Well, what was on the other side of Jonah's whale? What was on the other side of Jonah's whale? The entire city being one to the Lord, Jonah being the most powerful preacher of the day was all on the other side of the whale? What was on the other side of Moses' desert? What was on the other side of David's cave? Now, David's cave was a, was a position where they had three qualities that were of people that were joined there. They were discouraged and they were in debt. Well, that fills me. I, I guess I could live in a cave. But do you understand? It's not that period of time. That's the period of time that, is, that we must release joy because joy will release the miraculous power of God to change it for us. But if I refuse to offer God the joy that he deserves because joy is trusting the Lord. 
If I'm wringing my hands, if I'm worried and I'm doubting unbelief, I'm not trusting God. But if you're a believer this morning, you've got to some way dig down deep inside you. In some way, you've got to unclog that, that reservoir of joy that God put down in you. And you've got to once again allow joy of the Lord to begin to rise up in your life. Can you say amen? Well, let me ask you this. What was on the other side of Saul's jealousy? It's easy to see what was on the other side of major battles in the Bible. We know that it was a, the workings of God carrying them through that. But what was on the other side of Saul's jealousy? See, because we know that it wasn't God that inspired that jealousy in Saul. But God is so amazing because God has given us the promise that he will take the things that even the devil does. And he will even take the things that you mess up. And he will even take the thing that what other people do to you. And God will work you together and cause it to work for good in your life. Isn't that an amazing God? So whatever it is, whether it's you messing up or whether somebody that's done something to you or whether it's the devil that's been out to destroy you, a believer can rejoice in their Lord because that believer, God, they know that God is going to some way. Somebody shout some way. Come on, somebody shout some way. Somebody, let's, come on, let's give it back to the devil. Say some way, some way. Come on, let's shout it. Some, some way, some way God's going to work this together and God's going to use it for good in my life for the glory of God. That's some way God's going to do that. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 11 says, strengthened with all power. It talks about us walking through situations. It says, strengthened with all power according to the might of His glory. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joy. It seems like those words don't fit together, do they? You don't think about joy, long-suffering, patience, you don't think about that, but that's what it takes to be able to suffer through something. It takes you keeping your joy. The moment I tell, I told this testimony in the early service this morning, about 30 years ago, and that's approximate, I'm just pulling the number out of there, Lane and I was in the hardest of battles in our relationship. In fact, during that period of time, the only reason that Lane stayed with me is because she didn't want to fail God. And, but during that period of time, when we inventoried our lives, the joy had gone. All the joy of our relationship had begun to drift out and had sifted out through a period of years. I'm going to tell you what, in some of your lives, that very same thing has happened. And one of the hardest things that we did was to restore joy back into our relationship. Now, my kids laugh at me. What I did, I was desperate, honey. I didn't know how to laugh with Elaine anymore. I went to a bookstore. I bought every book I could find on jokes and laughing, literally. And, and had to practice those in my life to restore laughter and joy in our relationship. Today, Lane and I love each other deeply with all of our heart. And I enjoy that girl. If you want me to have a good time, you just send me on a date with her, girl. Yeah. And I will have. Now, if you want me to get beat real bad, you send me fishing with her. But, <laughs> but I tell you what, it's to restore that joy. 
And, but it's so vitally important. See, there's two things that has to be if we're going to live up. Number one, we've got to trust God's process. It's the process of God that God is using all things, bad things, ugly things, hard things, things that tear your heart out. God's going to use all that. God's going to make it work together for good. If you believe that God can work everything together for good, then you're trusting the process of God. Because you can't find one character in the Bible that had it a good, easy life. They fought through lions. They fought through deserts. They dealt with hard situations. But they come out on top because God had a process at work for the glory of God. You've got to trust God's process. When you walk into the doctor and the doctor says, there's no help for you. You've got to trust in God's process. God's not going to let it end like this. God's not going to let it stop like this. I refuse to give up. I refuse to bow down. I refuse to let the devil get this in on me. I'm going to choose to fight for the glory of God. And when your husband walks in and says, the marriage is over, there has to be that in you, that resolve. That this is a process. And you say, I will not give up. I will not quit fighting. See, because a believer that's going to have joy does not allow themselves to ever give up. Amen. To never give up. All right, number one, you got to trust the process. But the second thing a believer must do, you got to trust God's purposes. Now, that's a hard one. You got to trust God's purposes. You've got to trust God, that God, that what he told you, what he showed you in that closet, what he revealed to you in that closet, that God could eventually bring it to pass. That God could, you say, but I've been waiting. You've got to understand. You've got to come to the place that you can trust God's purposes. You will never have real joy flooding out of you. Now, happiness is built entirely upon happenings. Happiness is built entirely on things happening right in your life. Joy is not built at all on things happening right. Joy is you believing that God's going to cause things to turn out right in your life. And it releases the joy. But the purpose, what is it that God's called you to do? What's, what's the purpose that God put you on planet Earth to do? What's the purpose that God gave you that family? What purpose did God give you that job? What was the purpose? What was God working? What was the purpose of the Lord? And then you have confidence that God is able. If God's told me, if God's spoken to my heart about it, if God has purposed that in my life, then all hell cannot stop it from happening in my life. The devil can huff and he can puff and he can try to blow my house down, but he won't be able to do it because God's purposes will prevail for the glory of God. If you cannot see that, you will not be able to have joy. If you can't see him as El Elyon, the highest in the universe, if you can't see God, he is the top one, honey. He is set at the throne of the whole world, and he sits on that throne, and he can rule, and all he has to do is just take one point, little bit of his finger, and he can touch something and totally change it for the glory of God. You've got to have confidence. You've got to get up off the floor. You've got to begin to live up and live like you believe that heaven is real and believe like you believe that the promises are true and begin to live life differently. Amen. Get out of the sagging and start in the praising. Amen. Most of us say, Jerry, that's what I believe. All we need to do is notify our faces. Right? 
we just need to notify our faces that we believe that, that we believe in joy, that we believe if I'll release joy out my life. Amen? So everybody says the purpose of God. The second thing, oh, and it's almost time for me to quickly close, but I'm going to mention them. The second thing is, I got to learn to live in. Live in. You won't get this kind of joy coming out of your head. Your head operates in the area of reason, and your head will only believe what you can see. Your heart is opposite of that. Your heart operates on what it believes. That's why Jesus said, if you believe in your heart, all things are possible. Not you believing in your head. That's why you can believe in your heart and those doubts will be fighting you in your head. But I'm going to tell you what, you've got to come to the place you let that heart win for the glory of God. Do you know the heart is the strongest organ in your, Bible, in your body? The strongest one. In fact, it's 70 times stronger than any other organ you have. Your heart is. Your heart is 70 times stronger than your brain. 70 times strong. In fact, a heart is so... Well, every organ of your body emits an electrical field. That's what scientists have learned. That, that every organ that's in your body emits an electrical field. Your heart is 70 times stronger than any other organ. And its field that it emits is 8 to 10 feet around you. That's why... If you get with the wrong person, honey, it won't be long till you'll be so discouraged and so down. There won't be one bit of joy left in your life. But that's why, too, that you have the power to change not only what's going on in your life, but you got the power to affect others. You got the power to come into a person's life Instead of you saying, you know, I don't think this will work out and I don't believe this will happen, you've got the opportunity to allow your heart. Do you know your heart has a mind? That's what they've learned. You know how they learned that hearts have, have a mind? They've taken the heart out of a person and put it in another person. When they give them a, a heart transplant, that other person begins to desire things differently, want things differently, and to do things differently. What they followed out, they relate, it goes back to that person that had that heart in the first place. Because what they found out is that heart has a mind. I'm going to tell you what. Your heart's got a mind. And if you can get your mind set that I'm going to allow joy to flow out of my life, well, see, the Bible says that we, the answer to it is the all of joy for morning. All of joy is the worship in my life. It's the presence of God in my life. And now, now, this is worship. You know, that's the biblical word, the word worship. That's what it means. It means to kneel down. In fact, it uses a word, the word that it uses for kneel is a word that, that would regularly express the kneeling of a dog. And so this is worship. Now, everything, you worship, I'm not telling you how to worship. I'm just telling you what, what the word is. This is worship. But this is praise.
You understand? That's praise. That's praise. You almost can't praise and cry at the same time. You got to praise and laugh at the same time. Now, God said, that's why Jesus, the most important preaching that he did, or the first message he preached on, put on praise. That's what he said to He said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. I don't know about you, but I found out that's a pretty good answer for me too. Amen. I like to put on praise. I like to put on Bethel. I like to put on different groups. But what I found out is I can stay down the dumps and I can stay down. And I can stop the process of God in my life. And I can stop the very purpose of God. Or I can get up from that place of worship and say, I just got something to say. Ha, ha, ha. Ah. See, because something not only has to be believed and received, something from God has to be released. Worship takes God and snuggles up in his arms. But praise takes God and just spreads him all around. Amen. You hear what I'm telling you? That's why the solution for a grieving heart, that's why the solution, the garment of praise, is God's antidote for the spirit of heaviness. So whatever's got you down, whatever's pushing you, whatever's told you, whatever's trying to keep you down under, said there's no need anymore, you're out. <laughs> you strike three, you're out. But it's time for you to just wiggle yourself right up. You just stand up on your feet and put a smile on your face. You say, Lord, I may not feel joy yet, but I'm fixing to release some joy. Because let me tell you what. Joy precedes your miracle. Joy precedes it. Well, no, let's take it back. Joy precedes your praise. You know what the most important minute of a whole church service is? The most important minute in a church service. The most important minute in a church service is the first note that somebody's going to praise God. Because you got a choice. Some of you sit there and say, well, let's see if they can move me this morning. But some of you say, I'm here to move God. I'm here to move my battle. Because your joy your, is going to precede your praise. But according to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, your praise is going to precede your miracle. 
I'm going to tell you, it's, it's a jumping. It's a leapfrog. At one point, you don't feel anything. I think I'm just going to stay here and cry my buttermilk this morning. I think I'm just going to feel sad. You was trying to make me happy, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be sad. Lord bless you. Are you making a decision? I'm tired of that devil stealing from me. I'm tired of that rascal taking away from my life. I'm tired of him trying to keep my purpose from happening. I'm tired of that devil. So in the name of Jesus, come on, body, put on praise. And you determine, I'm going to praise. I'm fixing to put on the garment of praise. And my praise is going to drive that heaviness out from me. That way I'm going to be able to walk out smiling and laughing for the glory of God to see. Amen.